So one's like salami, the other one's like filet mignon. Yeah. 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 Okay, got I got like chorizo. You know, like oh it's my god, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's chorizo. All right, welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 145. Still alive? 145. Still alive. Ready, ready to drive. Are there any pager <laughs> are, are there any pager codes for 145, Ash? Uh 145 was smellulator. <laughs> yeah. Just made that up. I just made that up. I don't know. <laughs> it's better than the one I was gonna say, so I'm just gonna leave mine out. Okay. Good. Cut it out. Yeah. Well, oh man. How about that? Little da- little Dave Coulier little for Dave you there. Coulier. You know, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with with that. Didn't they just do? Uh, didn't I just see something with all three of them together again for something? Yeah, they helped close yeah, they out did, like, uh, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. That's what it was. Yeah. Amazing. They, uh, and help, and help Stamos looks visit. kind of like Ghost of Stamos at this point. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's doing all those yogurt commercials and stuff. He's all regular. It's perfect. It's regular. <laughs> it's good to be regular. Let's do the rundown. So we're all back. We did an interview with Brianna last week. I missed that. I'm sorry. Um, so we, you know, Ash and I have been traveling. Uh, everything's crazy. So we're going to talk about what we've been doing. Uh, we went to MegaCon this past weekend. Um, there's a new. Some of us did. Some of us did. Yeah. There's a new Assassin's Creed game. I'm assuming it's Assassin's Creed 2014. Um, yes. <laughs> there's been announcements from GDC about virtual reality. And we're going to talk more about Titanfall and South Park Stick of Truth. Um, I think what we've been up to is probably going to take up a lot of time in itself. Because we've been up to a lot. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of stuff. For sure. Well, guys, today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier for provider... Well, I'm going to say that again. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business thrillers, business romance, business comedy, sci-fi, and more. Audible titles play on iPhone, Kindle, Android, and more than 500 devices for listening anytime, anywhere. Get a free audiobook now if you go to www.audibletrial.com slash rated NA. And uh, you'll help out the podcast a little and you get a free audiobook. So please do that. And uh, thanks for the support, Audible. I'm trying yeah, to, thanks trying you to guys. figure out if you can mash up any of these categories, like romance, you thriller. <laughs> you didn't like my business romance? I like business romance. I like business romance, yeah. Maybe that's that, that movie, genre. Working Girl. If that genre Melody doesn't Griffith. exist, it probably should. It's got to. It absolutely yeah. has to exist. Well, comedy sci-fi definitely exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sci-fi romance, that exists. Sci-fi thriller, business. Thriller romance exists. That's like all those Ashley Judd movies where she kills her husband. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of those. Anyways. Book series. So, (laughs) Scott, what have you been up to? Well, I feel like it's been two weeks for me. I started, uh, I went to... It has, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, I did, I was, I was there for the, for the in and out on the last episode, but not, not for the interview. I went to... How does that in and out work for you? (laughs) It's pretty smooth actually it's a very efficient (laughs) process uh i went to san francisco 
and I did not attend GDC, but I did go to the Games User Research Summit, which is a meeting. This is going to be surprising to you guys. It's a meeting of user researchers <laughs> that work on games. Amazing. But, yeah. And it's a one-day workshop where everyone gets together and they give presentations and hang out. It's kind of like a social slash networking slash information sharing event. Uh, I think for some people, it's a way to sort of get ramped up for GDC. It's kind of like the nap, you guys. Um, oh, the nap. It's kind of like the nap, but there's more presentations and um, mm-hmm. and less bar action. But it was good. Yeah, I met some people. I'm kind of kind of interested in in doing a little games user research so i went there to 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 cut my teeth as the kids say and and meet some people so i did that so while i was traveling to and from san francisco i also started playing um uh, legend of zelda a link between worlds for the 3ds cool yeah breaking news you guys i i know you're gonna hear it here first but this game is really good (laughs) <laughs> I think I really think they got something going here with this Legend of Zelda series. Yeah. Uh I, I mean it's 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 kind of a take on the a link to the past for the Super Nintendo, right. which is, you know, widely regarded by many as one of the greatest games of all time. And uh-huh. A Link Between Worlds is sort of a love letter to to that game in many ways because it takes place in the same land, you know, there's a lot of confusion about the legend of Zelda timeline and who, what link exists where, and you know, is it the same realm or different realms? My my question is, do they even really know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fans are kind of piecing it together. And then, you know, within the last maybe year or two, dark horse released this gigantic legend of Zelda sort of history of Hyrule. Fanfic. No, no. I mean, it's it's all kind of official, and it's like an art book and a timeline and all that stuff. So they kind of yeah. Uh, the only reason I'm giving it shit is because to me it always seemed like Zelda was always developed by a handful of different teams that never really considered each other's work, and then just kind of expected fans to just deal with the fact that it's you know all just different takes on the same story. Kind of like but a if there multicultural is sort of team like, of various faiths and beliefs and backgrounds, like like that kind of team. Yes, similar to that. Similar game? Okay. Similar to that. Sure. Yeah, why not? But these games are... um, I mean, this one's great. Like, obviously, if you like Zelda, you should play this one, too. It's that top-down Super Nintendo style. Um, It's awesome. I'm sad that I started waiting to play it until just now. It's got Street Pass functionality where you can send your link uh, to other people's games, and then you can battle them and and vice versa. So I'm running around town, and there will be, like, a little link, a dark link, hanging out in front of my house. And it's, you know, you walk up and it's like, do you want a battle? Yes. And they send you to this battle arena. And uh, if you beat them, you get coins or whatever. But it's just a cool feature. They actually, you know, just to get a little nitpicky, they actually made the currency in this game worth something because you actually need to gain and spend money quite frequently. And in previous Zelda games, it's just like, why are there even coins? You know, by the time you get to the end of those games, you have so many coins and you don't really need to buy anything anymore because you just you know, get stuff through, you know, chopping bushes and stuff like that. But yeah, there you go. Yeah. I saw frozen like this weekend. Oh, my, did you? Yeah. It's, it is the best film ever made. <laughs> my wife wanted to watch it and, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Kristen Bell was in it. You guys. Oh, <laughs> Kristen, <Bell's in laughs> Kristen it. Bell. Uh, it so is so much is explained. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did. I did like the movie. I thought the pacing of the, the story was a little weird. I thought it kind of, <clears throat> it seems like it jumped ahead. I feel like, 
Frozen as a film could have been two films or three hours long, but you know, I understand why it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh finally I was I started playing a game that I got for free at Starbucks. You know how Starbucks puts out those those cards or whatever, you know, you get a free download or whatever. I go to Starbucks a lot, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the game that they had was called Kami, and I think it's a Japanese word for paper. And the game is just a, you know, it's a puzzle game. I won't go into the details, but the art style is really cool. And it's really like kind of pretty to look at because it all looks like paper. And it's kind of yeah. has, has, has this paper folding game mechanic. Um, so that's pretty cool, too. So I, I would recommend if you need something other than, I don't know, other than threes, I suppose, Kami might be something to go to. So, Matt, what's going yeah. on with you, buddy? Uh, I have not led as exciting of a life as you two have for the past week or so. Um, so I've been home, been playing a lot of Titanfall, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, been playing a lot of threes on my phone after protesting the game as stupid and not liking it. (laughs) I started getting addicted to it and then I beat everybody and now I'm completely addicted to it. Yes. (laughs) Uh, cause I got a super high score and I was proud of myself. You are the uh, local uh, friend circle record holder right now. Yeah, I am the local. If anybody else has higher than, it's like 9,847, please let me know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would love to hear. Because I, I think, what did I get? I got one 392, right, is the high high the, number. And, oh, yeah, no, 396, got, what's the number that I got? It's whatever. Uh, whatever whatever those numbers are. Three. What is it, like 384 <laughs> or something like that? Uh, we're not very good at math. Somehow this game hasn't actually taught us the math that we need to know. <laughs> uh, okay. So I got, here, I can tell you, I got a 384, a 192, a 96, 48, and a 24, and a 12, a 6, and a 3 all on one board. That's impressive. Yeah. I you was pretty were close well to on getting... your way to uh, to a 700-something. Yeah, yeah. I, I was pretty close to it, but I, I they gave me three twos in a row, and it just it bombed me. I couldn't do anything oh, with it. I hate it when that I, happens. I lost. The music is wonderful, though. If if uh, if Jimmy is out there listening, I sit there and hum it literally all day long when I'm like working and stuff. When I'm not even playing the game, I'm like, just so much fun and like relaxing. It's like a great great set of uh, yeah, I like the tunes. I think it really uh, it demonstrates his breadth because I think that a lot of our listeners might be familiar with his you know music for Mass Effect or the chip tune stuff, and this is yeah. completely different. Yeah, so, it is completely yeah. different. I also want to know if he does any of the voices, but who knows? Oh yeah, because uh, the yeah, voices are pretty amazing. Yeah, and then um, I found I lost my Kindle a while back because I've been traveling. When I've been traveling back and forth, I take my Kindle with me, and then I, it just got misplaced at some point. And uh, so I kind of stopped reading. But I, I finally picked it back up, and I'm finishing um, Abaddon's Gate, which is the final in the Expanse. Uh, series that we've talked about before, I believe, with Leviathan Wakes and mm-hmm. Caliban's War. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm about three quarters of the way, almost finished. And uh, the the series is amazing, guys. I can't wait. To, I hope this TV show comes out because the what the, when I realize like there's probably a point, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody, so I'm not going to say what it is. But there's mm-hmm. a point in the third book that you hit, and you realize what the ending of the book is going to be. And ah. and it's like it's amazing that that's what the journey was going to, and you're totally okay with realizing what it is because you realize it, and you're like, now you just want to get to it. You know, you just want to read it and find see it happen. 
And uh, it's just done so well. It's written so great. The characters are so much fun and so like endearing. And this this is kind of I would say their their Walking Dead period where characters are dying without any warning whatsoever. Like people just get shot and killed like out of the blue in the book, and it's like literally like stunning when it Shutting happens. Shut it all and, down. Yeah, it's it's just written extremely well. I highly, highly, highly recommend this if you're into sci-fi at all, or even if you're not. It's just such a unique take of a time period that a lot of people don't write about, which is that before we've expanded into meeting, you know, alien life or 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 other galaxies and after we've, you know, left Earth to the point where we have like colonized Mars and colonized uh asteroid belts and and stuff like that. So it's it's really just just an awesome read and I, and I highly recommend it. The, the third book is not letting me down at all. Um, the first is Leviathan Wakes. It's what James James A. Corey is that who it is? James A. Corey, yeah, which is like a nom de plume for two people, I think, or um, I don't remember their names off the top of my head, but they've tweeted us before. They're very nice people. We've emailed mm-hmm. back and forth a couple of times, but they, uh, but yeah, highly recommended. Leviathan Wakes is the first one. The series is called The Expanse. Um, so if you if you need something to read, I really really recommend it. I'm excited. Cool. I wonder if it's um, on. Uh, I wonder if it's on audiobook format. I bet it is. We should have totally recommended that. Well, now we can. <laughs> time hey, travel. Time travel. If you want to read Leviathan Wakes, but you don't want to read it, and you want the uh, the nice listening to it, you can. Ooh, and it's got Whisper Sync and everything too. Heyo, cool. Uh, it is on there. Yeah, yeah. You can pick it up, Leviathan Wakes. So go listen to that on Audible dot com slash rated na. There we go. We got it. In. Search for Leviathan Wakes, um, and that's about it. Other than lots and lots of Xbox Oneing and using the TV and all that kind of stuff through it, and General enjoyment of the unit. <laughs> Ash. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't let that go. No, I couldn't either. Uh, yeah. Ash, you're up. What's, what, what did you do? Well, I too have been enjoying the unit, um, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, Whoa. No, I actually um, I just got back from uh, California a couple days ago. I was out there visiting uh, my buddy Mark and his wife and uh, running around the city. And I actually saw Scott when I was out there. Which was cool. We had some got Thai to run food. Run around the, the city for a few minutes. Got some Thai food. We got Thai food with um, our buddy and contributor uh, contributor Natalie mm-hmm. and uh, Sean Baptiste showed up awesome. from Firehost Games because he was in town for GDC. So he came and ate dinner with us, and uh, it was awesome. It was good seeing everybody. And um, when I was out there, he actually recommended that I go to this museum. Uh, with my wife, and the museum was called the Musée Mécanique, and I'm probably saying it wrong because I do terrible French accents, but Musée Mécanique, and it was actually uh, a private collection of someone who collected um, old arcade machines from like the turn of the century, so early 20th century arcade machines, wow. all the way up through modern stuff through the 80s. So he has all these old coin-operated machines from like 1905, so it's like crazy, like, you know, mechanical uh, boxing machines and um, you know, machine gun games that shoot ball bearings instead of like light and things like that. And so, you know, it has all these old wish machines, like the ones you see in big and ones that like rescue your, or not rescue, but ones that rate your, your sexy level and things like that. But the museum uh, to get in is completely free. And then he's converted all the games to take modern quarters. So all you have to do is go in there and put some money in and you get to play all these old machines. And it was fucking awesome. We were That's in there amazing. for a couple hours Got to use all these old machines. It had old uh, photo booths from like you know the the seventies and eighties. So we got to use old eighties photo booths, which was cool. Um, and all in all, it was just fun. It made me really 
realize how much I miss arcades, you know, and even though a lot of the games were like just ridiculous, like one machine was um, watch the execution. And all you do is you put a quarter in and there's all these little like, you know, 1920s robots built out of wood and like and metal. And it reenacts like an execution from the uh, from the oh French Revolution, God. but with puppets. So like, oh, <laughs> it's tons of machines so awesome. like that. It is really cool. It was really cool. Definitely a unique experience. You know, so uh, if you're in the San Francisco area, definitely check it out. It was awesome. Um, other thing we did is we watched um, True Detective finally and finished up True Detective, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, especially the last like three or four episodes out of the eight episodes in the series. Are really, just fucking phenomenal. Like that's, it, it ends on such a high note. It's unbelievable. That's where a lot and, of people argue it. A lot of people hated the ending. Really, I thought the yeah. ending was the best part of the whole thing. I, I'm a sucker for like. Well, I'll just put it this way. I don't want to spoil anything, but the ending is incredibly tense. It kind of reminds me of like a Silence of the Lambs type type situation near the end of the movie or end of the series. And um, I know some people aren't huge fans of Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, but I love the relationship between these characters so much. And I just thought their dynamic was was brilliant. And uh, I've never been the biggest Matthew McConaughey fan, but I, I loved his character of Rust in this like so much she's just such a fucking crazy awesome character so mm. if you're looking for like a very dark uh noir story that's you know kind of cerebral uh definitely check out true detective on hbo there's only eight episodes so if you have eight hours to burn do that uh, the other thing i did on the plane is uh i i beat one of the endings of out there on the plane did you oh, a wow. large, uh, w- one, Wait, one the, big accomplishment for me the green one hmm. or the red one um, there's three. There's there's a uh, one blue up? one. There's a blue one too. Oh, I never, I've never even That's, seen the blue one pop up. No, well, there's the yeah. main one. The main one is the blue one. Oh, and okay. Then, and then the obelisk tells you about the green one. And I then, thought the blue one was red. No, the it's red blue? one. The red one pops up with uh, something else. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, okay. I I beat one of. Them. I don't want to say which one it is because it's a spoiler. But okay. um, I beat one of the endings, and it was. Uh, awesome. It was a lot of fun. I beat it like right as I landed in Orlando. And by the way, the fact that they don't make you like turn off your electronics anymore on flights is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the nicest yeah. thing in the world. Oh, God. So, it was so obnoxious. So I got to use, play that the whole time, which was great. The other thing I did on the plane was um, I read issues 75 through like 120 of the Walking Dead comic and got all caught up. And mm. um, something happens in that comic in issue 100 that is so absolutely awful. I legitimately had nightmares about it i'm not i, I don't oh have God. nightmares ever because i've been watching horror movies since i was basically born but something happens in issue 100 that i like woke up in the middle of the night and it was like <gasps> it was just awful but um on t- other than the the awful nature of issue 100 uh the story is really good it's a uh, a lot of really interesting twists and turns and i still you know love the characters a lot in that book even though it is kind of like a you know that book is kind of getting punched in the privates but how far along is yeah. that series right now like what issue is it officially on um it's where you they're on it, about right? like 125 ish yeah. right now oh okay yeah yeah so I'm, I'm almost all the way caught up uh the only thing i didn't the, the next trade isn't out yet digitally so i haven't picked it up so uh so that was it i mean it's been a busy couple of weeks um let's go ahead and, and take a quick break and come back with um a, a bunch of news stories coming out of megacon which we went to and also uh some more info about the nap and virtual reality and uh, packs and stuff. New 
So this weekend was <laughs> excitement packed. <laughs> this weekend was Orlando MurgerCon, which has some of the most amazing commercials um, yeah. straight out of Monster Truck Land that I've ever seen. <laughs> but but uh, Orlando Orlando MegaCon was in fact this weekend. Uh, I believe 1994 or 93 was the first year of MegaCon. Has it been going and that long? It has been. Jeez. I actually oh, my wow. first MegaCon was Mega the second MegaCon was the first one I ever went to as a little wow. kid. And my mom took me and we stayed in the hotel where MegaCon was being held because it wasn't at the uh convention center back then. And she walked around with me like a good mom because I was like 14 or something. Like I that. think the first time I went was probably the early 2000s. Hmm. Yeah, me as well. When I moved over here. And now it's huge. The, the big guest at that first Mega it is huge. So, um, sorry. Let's who talk was the about guest? how huge it was first. <laughs> was that like a like a you pay too much commercial? No, that's a. Uh, I thought that was a uh, the old the old fun, fun spot. spot for any. Yeah, fun oh, levels. fun spot. Yeah. yeah, fun spot. Who was the first guest um, though? Yeah, who was the big guest first? Oh, the first guest was Todd McFarlane. Oh, oh really? Wow. That's yeah, actually so a big he, get. He was doing. Uh, he had just started Spawn, so they were like on the first like fifteen issues of Spawn when he went there. So, uh, so he was not quite. He was he was Todd McFarlane, but not quite Todd McFarlane. Exactly. He hadn't started. Well, he had started the toys, but the toys were like brand new. They're so brand he new, wasn't yeah. like yeah, he wasn't like Empire. But at that Todd point, he had really done. What he do? he did runs at Marvel, right? He did uh, Spider Man, I think, or something before he did. Yeah, Spawn. he had done the uh, Amazing Spider Man. Yeah, stuff. yeah. His good stuff. But um, so I went on uh, Friday and Saturday and Friday and Saturday were very different experiences. Friday was kind of like, you know, it was still crowded. Uh, but Saturday was kind of bonkers. It was um, uh, the numbers I've been reading in different media outlets. They're saying between 70 and 75,000 people uh, on Saturday at MegaCon. Which That's is, crazy. It's big. I mean, honestly, about 10 years ago, that's how big San Diego Comic-Con was. Yeah. So um, the fact that Orlando is getting those those numbers is pretty pretty insane. They're going to have um, to move it all outdoors, just turn it into like a so, Bonnaroo or something. I have a question, though. Yes. Yeah. Because I heard from friends that Sunday was not even nearly as bad as Saturday was. Mm-hmm. Um, which is usually the case, you know, numbers wane at the end of the pan at the end of the con. But was Walking Dead still there on Sunday? Uh, a number of them had taken off. I honestly, I really believe that um, a, a big a big portion of that poll was having the Walking Dead yeah. cast there. I mean, which is uh, great. That's an awesome poll for them. I mean, it's an amazing like get. But yeah. uh, but cool. All right. Well, what'd you guys think? Yeah. I didn't get to go on. It was my nephew's first birthday, so I was at his house, but. Not his house. He doesn't own a house. He's one. But you know what I mean. Did uh, um, did you have seventy thousand people show up to that party? Uh, no, it was like ten, <laughs> like ten or twelve. Ten or twelve. That's pretty good. I no mean, cosplay either. It was it was a letdown. Yeah, but I mean, it's only the first year. I'm sure, like, yeah, subsequent years, it'll continue to grow. You know, by his by his twentieth birthday, I would expect fifty to sixty thousand, probably. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I love MegaCon just because you know it's nice to see a local convention. Um, get people excited about pop, pop culture and about you know comic books and science fiction and horror and it's nice to see that many people you know locally that come out for this i don't think i mean i'm probably ignorant in saying this but i don't think it, it draws in like tons of people from out of state like um san, san diego comic-con does i think it probably draws a lot of people from from florida but i don't i can't see people flying in from like new york and stuff for comic-con but i don't know um, but that being said I you know I think it's a it's a great con. I think they they are improving the programming 
that they have there. Um, there were actually, you know, a handful of panels. There was a cool voice acting panel. There was a, uh, a walking dead cast panel, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but, um, you know, it was Eliza uh, Dushku was there and, uh, she was, and, uh, Carl Urban from, from almost human. Hey, Ash, you watching almost human yet? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. I told you at the convention, I said, if this show gets canceled, I'm blaming you personally for this. I know. I know. Uh, I need to watch it. It's, I need to watch it. What did I? I just texted you about something that got renewed, though. Oh, you told me to... Grim got renewed, which it thank did. God, thank God for that. Yeah, so Grim is really coming excited. Back. Yeah, but we're, this um, is Fox we're talking about, so everything is on the chopping block all the time. That's true. Fox is a risky, a risky place to have a show. Risky well, let's business. let's talk a little bit about the show itself. So, um, Scott, you went with your wife, and mm-hmm. you went on Saturday, which is the busiest day. Uh, can you tell us a little bit just about the like the floor and some of the stuff that you saw? Yeah, it was cool. Uh, my my wife is not like I guess I would not call her a huge nerd, even though she like she wanted to go. She was excited about going. She wanted to. She has like a genuine interest in cosplay. She likes to see sort of the creativity that people can put together in terms of uh, the costumes and stuff like that. She, mm-hmm. I think last, last time we went, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, she was really uh, impressed with the bronies, you know, you oh, yeah. with the bronies, I guess that's, that's guys that do my little pony cosplay or, or something. I don't yeah. know. Um, but you know, she was really interested to see that. And it was, <clears throat> it was cool because I mean, <laughs> All you need to do is walk inside the building or not even in the building. You could just approach the building and see all kinds of great cosplay. Um, you know, like there's like we went, like you said, we went on Saturday. There were people everywhere. Um, it was like a great experience. Like so many people were dressed up. I thought that was really awesome. We it's become a huge like, cosplay convention. And I yeah. know um, last year at 2013 Heroes of Cosplay. Uh, shot one of their episodes there because of the you know the amount of cosplay that goes on it at uh at megacon so it is mm-hmm. kind of cool to see that many people i mean we're not, i'm not even exaggerating we're talking thousands of costumes yeah thousands it, i mean it, just tons and tons and tons of costumes it was wild and it covered all all kinds of things i saw you know i saw a couple uh lara crofts which i thought was cool um you know people were like there were like like women and girls dressed as uh the princess from frozen i was surprised that that was making such a splash already yeah there's a lot of disney princesses there which is cool yeah so it was you know and then your anime naruto all that stuff you know it's just kind of like a little bit everything oh there were these giant um what were they like space marine or like space yeah from warhammer 40k yeah oh my god these there's like three or four guys that had these they must have been like ten feet tall in these gigantic Warhammer costumes. They were, it was incredible. I think they were maybe as wide as three or four people and maybe ten feet tall, and it was it was awesome. That's ridiculous. And they were just like trampling yeah, the through the super cool. Yeah, trampling through the show floor. I thought something that I was sort of impressed with was, uh, you know, they had. It's weird because we don't. I don't know if that we're going to have celebration here anymore, right? So all no, the, we're not. It's moving to Anaheim, so. Uh, we're, such a you no longer have it yeah so but like all of i guess our local contingent of star wars uh fans set up you know a lot of those exhibits um on one side of the show floor and then uh you had your artist alley i thought the artist alley was actually bigger than it has been in previous years too which is like really great for megacon did you 
Did it seem that way to yeah, you as well? Yeah, I like more artists. Alley a few times, and there's a, a lot of really great stuff. Sometimes in a lot of these cons, you'll go to Artist Alley, and you kind of, I mean, you feel bad for the person because you're like, oh, man, like, is anyone going to really buy that from somebody? Yep. Uh, but everybody there at, at MegaCon was really, really talented. And it had, you know, your typical, like, mashup stuff, like Han Solo on a hoverboard, you know, yep. like, <laughs> crap like that. Yeah. But then they had a lot of, like, really unique takes on characters and some really you know, super talented people. I saw I someone, cool. someone had a, uh, someone was selling a screen print, um, advertisement for a hoverboard, but it came with 3d glasses. Cause it was, you know, shifted like red and blue color. So you could put on the 3d glasses. And it would jump out at you. I thought that was clever. Um, that was really cool. I'm sure that guy made a killing on that. Um, and then, you know, and then a lot of it, you know, there's all the stuff to buy, which is, you know, sometimes those people, look familiar after a while you're like hey i saw you last year with the same stuff and that's cool but you know cut me a deal guy what's going on but i yeah i i I, I genuinely like to look at that stuff it's like a flea market for me you know no it's true there's some um talent that shows up to the they show up to the con so much that i see them like more than my parents (laughs) (laughs) yeah like oh there they are again hey you know just they're there so much um Cool people I did see. I, I did get a chance to uh, briefly talk to Jennifer Hale, but her schedule didn't match up with our schedule. So we were going to you know, chat with her for a while and, and record that audio and stuff, but it didn't seem to work out, which, which was unfor- unfortunate. Um, we'll do that in the future. We can. We'll, we'll rope her in and get her back on because she's super cool and, and we love having her on. Yeah. I did get to meet um, Emily Kinney, who is... Uh, who plays Beth Green on The Walking Dead. So I got to talk to her for a couple minutes oh, and cool. she was super nice. Yeah, and she actually just put out a music CD. Oh, really? She's a singer. Hmm. And it, yeah, and it's actually really good. So I picked that up and, and uh, talked to her for a minute. And on the show, she's currently kidnapped by unknown people. Uh, <laughs> but uh, really quick, like we, we were really excited because you know The Walking Dead cast was there and it would have been cool because uh, we did get to go as press and it would have been cool to talk to them. But AMC put like a lockdown on on them. So there was no there was no talking to them. And even when I, I mentioned it to Emily Kenny, she's like, I can't talk to anyone about anything. She's like, they won't let me. <laughs> oh, They'll yeah. Get mad yeah. At me. Too and many I'm like, yeah, secrets. it makes sense. Well, it's like I was thinking about it. And I was talking to my wife about it. When your show ropes in like 14, 15 million people and it's all based on like hype. It's like one of those shows that once it airs, you just see Twitter explode. It's like Lost. And it's like what Lost was. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's talking about that episode, you know, the next day. And so to lose that momentum or to have like major plot points leaked or anything like that could really, you know, hurt their numbers. Right, right. Uh, by the millions. So the last thing they want is a, a large story point getting out before it happens. So it's really like they don't want their actors saying anything. Um, even in the panel, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, it was uh, moderated, but all the questions had been pre-approved by AMC. Oh. So uh, people submitted the questions prior to the panel um, and all the questions went through AMC. And I think I'm almost certain the actors were instructed to like, hey, fucking don't say anything that yeah. you're not supposed to say yeah yeah the actors were kind of like very you know apprehensive about what they were saying uh during the panel as well but um huge draw for MegaCon to have you know right now the most popular cable program have like you know four or mm-hmm. five of their cast members there at the same time so good for them yeah it's cool I, I also appreciated the fact that um at this particular convention uh all of the people doing autographs were visible you know because at celebration they 
they take, you know, some of the top names and they hide them, you know, inside of a enclosed space. Like, yeah, uh, like behind like the black curtain or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, like, I understand. I'm not just going to walk up to Mark Hamill and take like a paparazzi photo or something. I just want to like kind of see that he's there, you know, but yeah, yeah. I- I'm sure there are things that are way beyond my pay grade that I don't understand. But I appreciate the fact that I could at least go like, hey, there's Carl Urban. There's Eliza Dusku. Like, that's pretty awesome. I'm glad people are getting to talk to them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in terms of the panel, so Walking Dead had uh, a big panel there with uh, Emily Kenny, who's Beth, and then David Morrissey. So the governor was there, you know, who's probably one of the best villains of all time on TV. And Stephen Yoon was there, who uh, plays Glenn. And then Sasha was there, uh, Sonequa Martin-Green. And then Denai, who plays Michonne, was there. And people, like, honestly treated them like they were fucking rock stars. It was crazy. That's cool. Like, the, the audience, like, went absolutely berserk when these guys came out um you know it was really cool the the majority of the panel was really just about um the relationship that they have uh you know as actors working on the walking dead and in all sincerity from like watching talking dead and then listening to you know listening to the talk on this panel it really seems like this cast they love each other to the point where it's it's you know they're like a family mm-hmm. and when someone dies and uh, when a major character dies which i won't spoil anybody but when major characters do you know vanish off the show it is really emotional for them because they they film it out in atlanta all of them have to move you know away from their families away from their pets and loved ones for months and months and months when they film in atlanta georgia and then you know they only spend time with each other in this little podunk town outside of atlanta mm-hmm and half the time they're out filming in the woods in the boonies and at night they go out and like hang out and have fun. So they become each other's family. And then one, when one of them gets killed off and like has to leave, it's like, you know, your best friend leaving summer camp. So, um, there's a lot of great stories that they told on the panel. Um, you know, uh, David Morrissey, who plays the governor is uh, like one of the most charming guys ever. He's, you know, a classically trained, uh, British actor. And you can just, he's so unlike the governor. It's kind of jarring. It's one of those moments where you're like, wow, like how does this guy play this guy? It just shows that, you know, how great of an actor he really is. Um, and other than that, you know, the, the cast is in terms of just their personalities coming out in, in conversation on the panel, they're in a lot of ways very similar to their characters. Like oh, Emily wow. Kenny is very she's very quiet, she's kind of shy. Um, you know, Steven, who plays Glenn, is, you know, kind of comedic and and goofy and um, you know, they are in a lot of ways very similar to the characters, which I thought was pretty cool. But awesome. um, if you ever get a chance to see these guys at another panel, the thing very quickly that is fucking crazy is like, I don't know, three or four years ago when season one happened, almost the entire cast was here in Orlando at um, Spooky Empires. At Spooky Empires. Yeah. Yep. And there was there was nobody there to see them. It was like <laughs> literally it was everybody in the cast, I think, except for maybe Rick. And that was in a but hotel. Everybody else, that wasn't at like a was, convention. You know, a hotel lobby. Yeah. Yeah. And I like I had watched the first couple of episodes of the show and I thought it was cool, but it hadn't taken off quite the way that it is now. Mm-hmm. So I kind of regret not, you know, talking to them a little bit more at that convention. But um, I'm glad to see, you know, that uh, Megacon pulled it off and was able to have, have all these people there. Awesome. So cool. Assassin's Creed. There's going to be another one. Yeah. And they dropped the Unity. number. Unity. Unity. 
Yeah, no, no number anymore, no which number. I'm glad. I think that's probably appropriate at this point, unless this is like some weird midpoint game, but it doesn't look like it. So the the it is aimed at the PC, Xbox One, and PS4, and it is set in the French Revolution. You don't know how excited I am for that. I that's actually, I thought you'd be like super stoked. Yeah, oh, I'm so excited for that. I think it's, it's awesome. Like one of the best. It's the best story that you can tell from beginning to end that it's very, the, the tale of the French revolution is just really dynamic. It has a lot of ups and downs. It has a lot of really incredible historical characters. Um, and it resonates with everyone. It's the story of, you know, uh, society trying to fight back and, and become a Republic and replace, a you know, an oppressive monarchy. And then it just spirals out of control and becomes a bloodbath. So it is the absolute perfect, perfect story for an Assassin's Creed tale. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Plus we're back into that, uh, sort of Gothic architecture, just huge structures and, and, uh, yeah. and buildings and places to run. So I think that's good too. I, I you know, I still have to play. I'm still behind, so I still have AC four to play, but I well, think the fact that, that it's being developed for next gen, yeah. Uh, and I think two different That's Ubisoft, incredible. Canadian Ubisoft uh, studios are working on it. Like um, I think Toronto and Montreal are working on it together. So it's going to be you know a huge, huge, huge game. It might not be a numbered game, but it is going to be definitely like all of their their guts and resources are going to be poured into this one. Yeah, um, I'm so torn. You know, like I I love to hate on this series, but you know the the truth of it is is that I've played them all to you know 100% completion. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, you read the comments. People are like, people are weary, I guess, in some ways, because it's become an annualized franchise. And I think, I think people are concerned, um, you know, because of, you know, weird gameplay choices that have popped up in previous games. That being said, I am slightly, I mean, I'm thinking more than slightly optimistic for this game, just because if anyone had an opportunity to play, Assassin's Creed Liberation HD with uh, Aveline mm-hmm. as the main character. I thought that they tried to do things with the gameplay that were that I consider to be sort of genuinely different in terms of using the costumes and the personas, you know, and even for something that started out as a mobile yeah. game, because that's that's the studio that's handling this franchise now is I don't think it's the original studio that started out with, um, uh, you know, like one, two and three, like the first set of games. I mm-hmm. think from, you know, sort of Assassin's Creed Liberation, including, you know, uh, 4 onward, I think is a new studio. So, and then you you kind of see that too in the way that they handle this stuff with the, the Animus and how it's not, um, they've moved it sort of into Abstergo headquarters and it's not necessarily with, um, uh, it's not Desmond's story anymore. It's sort of like the story yeah. of this mega conglomerate and all the weird stuff that's like happening like in the real world setting so Mm -hmm. i am you know if you are weary i'm sort of in your camp but i'm not i'm cautiously optimistic and i think that anyone that is in that same camp should you know should kind of give it a chance i think i think they have an opportunity like this will be like you said they're going to be their first chance to do something for next gen probably completely of their own volition um and I, i think it really could be special it has a potential to be special well, the thing that uh, before we move off this topic, everyone always bitches about the annualization of this franchise, and then everyone buys the living shit out of yeah, it, and it gets yeah. nines and tens. So it's like you know, if you really want to protest the annualization of the Assassin's Creed franchise, well, then don't buy it. I know it's so it. hard not to buy it. <laughs> it's yeah, just so hard no, because it's really fucking good. Like yeah, the fun. last one was probably my favorite in the series, and like it didn't bother me. 
you know, I mean, if your studio is big enough and you can pull it off and the quality of the game doesn't diminish at all, right. then by all means do it. You know, if you have, you know, a thousand people working on a game and you can do that, then just do it. What but I, I can I can understand the feeling tiredness of it, you know, like not not feeling tired of the game, but like it, it's taxing to play the same sort of I love Batman as a series. I think that even the the Origins that came out, which was not Rocksteady, was was a good game. Mm-hmm. But if they start pumping those out every year, I'm going to get taxed by it eventually. Like, I'm going to be like, okay, I, I'm still going to buy it probably. I'm still going to play it. But, you know, I don't know that I'm bitching. But you know what I mean? Like, I can understand yeah, I that, that annualization of stuff does tend to both be awesome because if they can pull it off and, and they're clearly pulling it off of the Assassin's Creed, then it's great. But at the same time, it's still like it takes some of that that waiting and wow factor out of it because it's like, oh, yep, here's the next one. It's Unity. It's in France. And like, what ends up happening is you now have to get excited about the premise of where Assassin's Creed's taking place, as opposed to just the excitement that there is an Assassin's Creed coming out. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, it's French Revolution, which is awesome, and I think that'll be an amazing setting. But it's not just that it's Assassin's Creed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If it was, I, like, yeah, I hear you. I think some people also you know, just really can't keep up. And I think some people feel as if they're getting sort of left in the dust and it's like, well, I haven't even had a chance to play three yet. So how am I supposed to get excited about this one? You know, like when I've got three games in between that I need to catch up on or something like that. And I think the real, the real burnout point wasn't the numbered, the main ones that came out. It wasn't one, two, three, four, you know, I think it was honestly that span between two and three, when they pumped three games out of one kind of setting. And I think everybody just started going like, what are, what are we playing right now? Like we're just running around stabbing people yeah. in Italy now, you know, like this is, this is not become the Assassin's Creed. I remembered anymore. Italy, Italy yeah. stab simulator. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Ash is right. I thought, I thought black flag had a, a great story and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I, I think, I think there's hope. I think with a different studio taking the helm, you know, fresh eyes, stuff like that. It's yeah, exactly. It's that's what I, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, as long as they can keep it fresh and the new setting sounds exciting, then I think it's all good. And they haven't failed at what they've done. It's you know, there's there's other series. Um, I can't even honestly think of another serialized like yearly series that that's just gotten so tiresome. I don't really play I mean, a lot of they them. They just so. finally they finally stopped doing it with Call of Duty. They said we we're going to stop for a while, but yeah. Call of Duty was like probably the, the Call worst of Duty. Effect. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, uh, I still think it's awesome, French Revolution. Are you are you gonna play it on your Project Morpheus, Scott? Oh well, actually, that's a great transition. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to say, though, before we move off this topic, was when I was just flipping through the blog and I first saw the image. The first thing I thought was, "Oh, they're developing a web-based version of Assassin's Creed in Unity." Like, oh, anyone yeah. think that as well? Like, am I, am I no, alone? No, I did. No, sorry, Scott. Uh, okay, <laughs> I see Unity, and I think. I think <laughs> web-based gaming platform but there you go anyways so yeah i'm totally playing this on my project morpheus in 3d um god it was like vomiting while falling off a building (laughs) the worst idea ever yeah parkouring with like a a vr headset on so okay so we joke but in you know in 2013 or 2012 like ces it was all about 3d tvs and then you know we started to see oculus rift come along and that's been in development seemingly forever at this point. And then at GDC, um, Sony announces that they've been working on their own VR headset called Project Morpheus. And there were demos available for for certain people to look at mm-hmm. and experience. And, you know, from the outside, you look like you're a member of Daft Punk. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, theirs look super slick. 
yeah, yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty slick headset. Um and you know, the footage that I saw of it, there's like you know, there's a little demo where you're moving around in a three D environment. There's something where you're holding the what are those things? The the move PlayStation move. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Those yeah. Little uh, dildoy things. Yeah. My I mean the the <laughs> stuff that I've heard about it is that it's you know, it's gonna be set up in such a way that you could wear the Morpheus headset and then somebody that would be in the same room with you could also watch on the television as if it were just a standard game, you know? So there's, I don't know. There's mm-hmm. kind of all kinds of questions about, you know, if we just take it away from any particular brand, it's kind of like, it seems like this is the next thing like VR and everyone's saying, you know, this is, you know, EA is like, we're all in on this to a certain extent. Yeah, but they were all in on 3d and that's completely, I mean, does anybody here own a 3d TV? Yeah. I, I, I guess know. I'm just, I'm curious uh, as to how, you know, this, 3D is supposed to make stuff more immersive, right? So isn't VR also supposed to make stuff more immersive? And I guess I have questions. The questions would be like, if you were originally in that camp long ago where you thought that the Wii was sort of gimmicky because you were swinging controllers around, and then they show somebody wearing a headset with two move controllers swinging those around, I don't I don't see what sort of the the distinction is. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I understand. There's definitely a double standard, you know. I mean, here's the deal. It'll take off if the price point's right and if it's fun and if it doesn't make people puke. Like, it's the same problem that the Virtual Boy had. Like, you put it on your head, you know, in the 90s or whatever, and you just instantly vomited. So, didn't Oculus Rift just drop down to 300? I think they just said the you can get a set for 300 now to to toy around with. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, the new. But that's the other thing. Is that we're just toying around with it right now? Like I want to, yeah, s- yeah. I want to see it come out of beta. I want to see one of these things come out of beta, and they say, "Here is our thing, and here is a game that you can play with it." You know what I mean? We yeah. see. I mean, see, what is the? We see I stories mean, like every other week, like such and such game gets support for Oculus Rift, and you're like, "Okay, yeah. awesome," you know. But like now, what? Like, what are we gonna do? What are we doing here? Um, I mean, I just don't. So be let's just be completely transparent. I don't think any one of the three of us are in the VR camp. We've we've avoided it at every conference that we've gone to that it's been at because it usually looks like a crazy line or something like that. And, and it's just it just seems so like opposite of how any one of us plays. I guess would be the way I'd put it. Sure. Yeah. That it's hard to imagine what how I'm going to use this in my gaming life. You know, if, that makes sense. if like we're heading to some sort of like ready player one style future or something like that, or maybe, I don't know, like imagine playing um, like an elder scrolls game where you're just kind of right, but, uh, in the game so, world or something. I which, don't know. Which one of us sits down and plays a game and has zero interruptions happen while you're playing. Yeah, yeah that's right. true. Yeah, that's a good like, point. it's just not a reality for me. I can't, there's no way I can put a thing on and just pretend the rest of the world doesn't exist for two, three hours and play video games or however long you're capable of sitting in it before vomiting. Like, it's just, it's just not reality. Like, I, I get emails or texts from people who need to get a hold of me or my wife's here or, you know, whatever. I've got other things I need to there's do. There's a dog like, that I needs to pee or something. Yeah, like, it's just not, it's not a reality for me to be able to just be like, well, sorry, life, going on pause. I'm plugging everybody out and this on, you know, like, it, I just don't understand it yet. I don't understand its application. I don't understand what games I, like. It's it's very interesting to me in like a scientific sort of way. Like, Absolutely, yeah. All this stuff The Verge posts about like you know they showed a, an experiment where they put VR and Oculus Rift on somebody and then they 
basically simulated the video from like a woman who was sitting next to him and she just mimicked, she mimed everything that he did so that he would like get something given to him and he would be like feeling it and then he'd look down in the thing and somebody else would be doing the same motion that he was doing with the thing that he had, whatever it was. Like a, it sounds I like think those it was like, like a, phantom limb studies with the mirrors. Yeah, yeah, it was that kind of stuff. and like Or like the ones where they'll put a fake arm somewhere and then they'll show your arm and then they'll like hit it and then you'll feel the pain if you heard yes. about those studies. and mm-hmm. Is that the phantom limb study that I just mimicked? Well, what it's you just said? like sort of that, but then, yeah, yes. So like, all, like that stuff is super interesting to me and very cool and I think it's got a lot of amazing applications to it in the future. In gaming, I'm just like, I just don't, I don't understand what game, other than like the cool, you know, indie game here or there that makes unique, awesome use of it. Like I can't imagine myself sitting down and playing a Titanfall like game oh, with geez. VR headset on. Like I would just die. I would just vomit and die somewhere in a corner <laughs> and like yeah. not want to be playing anymore. Like I mean like I, it, I, it seems like immersion is the key to these headsets, you know. So Sure, like, but I mean if you want to feel like, you know, like a racing game or something. Like and if, you know, like historically trying to look around while you're driving a car in a racing game is nigh impossible, right? Right. But if if all you need to do is turn your head and you don't have to sort of push another button on the controller to like turn the avatar's head to the side window or something, maybe that, you know, again, it's immersion, you know, then I'm in the same camp as you. Like then what makes this any different from being a peripheral, like, like the Wii sticks or like connect, like it's the same shit to me. It's just another $200 add on for like three games that I'm going to play. That's kind of what I thought was interesting about this was that, you know, leading up to the release of these consoles, Sony was like, we're not going to make you buy the PlayStation camera, but yeah. if you want to get this headset, you're probably going to need some kind of thing, especially you're if you're need- using the move controllers, you're going to need that camera too, right? Like, yeah. Nope. The camera absolutely was required for most of that stuff. Right, sold out everywhere. Yeah. I mean, do, like are people buying that camera? Is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't they, they want to stream Twitch. That's why. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. So, okay. you know, that $400 PlayStation 4 just became the $500 PlayStation but, 4. I mean, but, yeah. But, I mean, it's not... <laughs> I, I feel like with that, as with any peripheral, you need to get people to buy it in order to develop things for it. Sure. To make that worthwhile as a as a business proposition, right? But, so. but again, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, I still don't see this as anything more... So, the, when the Kinect came out, and we liked it, and it was awesome, and, and you know... As opposed to what you would think after the Xbox One came out, millions of people bought the first Connect. Right. It was like the best selling peripheral like of all time at one mm-hmm. point or something, wasn't it? So like that comes out and everybody immediately goes, Well, I just don't see the application. You know, like barely anybody really supported it with games. You know, you had the unique studios like Harmonix who made unique games for it. Mm-hmm. But even then it was like, you know, Connect integration into games barely it didn't work very well. It was just kinda like not there. Yeah, yeah, we still don't maybe. really see like a ton of it in the mainstream game. No. Is there, and, is there and any the Kinect support works, for Titanfall? No, not that I know of. Is there? No, there's is not. It? There's not. Okay. No I was Kinect just curious. Um, but, but it just became this peripheral that only a few things took advantage of and really only made for like unique things. And to me, that's like that's all I keep seeing with virtual reality is that it's going to be a peripheral that maybe you know, one studio really knocks it out of the park with the VR helmet. And it's like... It just becomes, a, it, but it does even less to me because, like the Connect, I, I controlled Netflix with. As stupid as that sounds, it did other stuff. But like this, I just don't get it yet. I really don't. I, I'm trying. I, I struggle with it, like in gaming terms of what I would want to use this for, and it's just really hard for me to picture 
me being able to to unplug from everything going on around me and to just put on a thing and not and pretend like literally nothing else exists for a little while and maybe if the experience is unique and awesome enough sure I just it's hard for me to imagine I don't know well I'll tell you what I hear you I'm gonna go on a little fact finding mission this week and then I'll report back to you guys on the next podcast and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more okay. sounds good I'll yeah like I have some I have some secrets so I'll I'll reveal them to you uh, next ooh. week. Yeah. Secrets. Secrets. So, Scott, you, you put this one down. Oh, breaking uh, news. Apparently, yeah. Nintendo is going to skip PAX East 2014. Really? That's that's the news. I mean, they're kind of... I think they're struggling to find their... Niche. Their, getting their, they're trying to get their groove back. Is that the right Yeah. Right well, I think the portables, they're starting to lose, right? They, they, they have always been super dominant in portables. And I think that they're starting to see that mobile games are taking an actual chunk out of their out yep. of their portable gaming system. And then the Wii U is, I don't think, the uh, crazy success that they maybe hoped it would have been. Yeah, I mean, I remember at PAX previously, they had a, I think the last one I went to was the last East. And I think that the, um, yeah, the last PAX East was the one that I went to. And they had a booth set up there and they were showing off the Wii U. And I think that was right before it came out or something like that, or the first time yeah. you could play it. And I don't know, that booth, from what I saw, was packed the whole time. So It was, yeah. They must, they must be trying to find different ways to connect with audiences through, like, you know, they do those Nintendo Direct things now. They don't have, um, they didn't do a big press conference at E3. Um, and now they're not going to go to PAX. But they say that they're going to, still continue to find ways to engage with gamers so i don't know if that means doing something like a you know where they go on tour with like some trailers and they go to best buys or whatever and meet with people there or something like that but do you you think that they so they kind of became this big lumbering dinosaur of a company right that kind of did whatever they wanted in the gaming sphere Mm. and it worked for them because a lot of times it was unique or different enough or hit the right niche or price point or whatever you want to call it that they just would win, right? You know, I mean, the portable stuff was, which I still think they do really, very well in Japan. I just think in America they're starting to yeah. lose out. But, uh, and I have zero numbers to back up that <laughs> fact that I just said. So just either believe me or don't. I don't really care. Uh, but they, they, you know, nailed it with the Wii as far as like selling a very cheap gaming system that families loved and could play a ton of. And they mm. knocked it out of the park with it. And now I think we're seeing them. Like, do you think that maybe they do have something in secret that they're working on? They're just like, we're going to pull back for a year or two and try not to hype anything. And then we're just going to be like, hey, Nintendo's back, everybody. And just like launch, launch this thing. I don't know. Just, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, know don't that, know, like, I, I don't think they can do another console for a couple of years. Oh, no. Because they got to get at least like break even yeah, yeah. point on this one. Like, I yeah. know. Th- I don't. I, I mean, obviously, they're not just like sitting at the offices twiddling their thumbs. I'm sure. Right. I'm sure they're going to they're trying to come up with something totally I think unique. And it seems like they're not interested in sort of competing in the next gen space in terms right. of like those kinds of games and those types of experiences. So unless their goal is to sort of I don't, I mean I don't know it's almost it's almost as if they're trying to break away from quote the gaming community and trying to reposition themselves as something like for anybody but i think that the way that that's going to happen is not yet clear to everybody but you know it's it's 
sort of the the gaming press and they like all like it's the this is the community that follows them. You know, for right. to anyone else, they don't they don't know what's going on. They just see the Wii in the store on the shelf next to PlayStation and Xbox. They have no idea yeah. what you know what's happening you, like on that molecular level. You know, do you think they can still sell the Wii U? Like, do you think they could put a game out that all of a sudden everybody understands the second screen and? <laughs> Only it, the only way it'll ever work is if they have a lot of first party titles developed by great teams and they use all of Nintendo's original IPs and just spit out really great shit. Put out a great a great Zelda game, put out a really, you know, kick ass a kick ass new Mario that's even better than the one that just came out. Keep on spitting out those Nintendo greats, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, be a really, Metroid, yeah. a Kid Icarus. Um, but they have to be phenomenal because right now it just won't run anything that's next gen. You'll never see the new Assassin's Creed on the Nintendo console. No, it's not it mentioned at all. Yeah, yeah, it won't. It won't work. It won't run. So, I mean, all those big games that are coming out, um, you know, uh, none of them will actually work on the system. So it's just going to be kind of a dust collector until they put out those original titles. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult for me to not buy one if they put an original Zelda title out on that platform. That's like. That might be the breaking point for me because I've played all. I like I've played all of them. You know, like yeah. so it'd be so hard yeah. to, it'd be so hard to miss one. But as far as like, what are they like, priced at right now? Are they still like two fifty or something? I think I think they dropped down a little bit. Did they? I think there was a price cut or something. Or I don't know if that was permanent or temporary. Yeah. I mean, you can't buy them on Amazon for some reason. I don't really understand why. Hmm. Like they're sold like sec- on like secondary market, I think from Amazon. Well, it's-, it's just like I mean to be dead honest, like I don't buy Nintendo. I haven't owned a Nintendo product ever in my life, mm-hmm. other than Game Boys. Um, but I've never owned, uh, you know, any of the main consoles because uh, I was a Sega kid. Everybody, uh, but um, yeah, but uh, I kind of don't want to live in a gaming world where it's just like PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation Four, like. I like having Nintendo there because I feel like they're always the ones that are going to do something weird or quirky. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like, you know, the race to the middle for PS4 and Xbox One is, is like all that's really going on with the consoles. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me, but it's like it's saddening at the same time because it does look like they're just kind of fading. <laughs> like they're just like, well, yeah, we're just going to step back, everybody. Like, who cares? Yeah, it's hard because now you look at that platform and like even if it is like even if they do put up a bunch of like first party blockbuster games it's still just going to be limited by what they can make. Right. You know, so, you know, in an ideal world, you would see the large companies like your, your EAs and your Ubisofts, you would see them making games that only exist on the Wii U instead of being in a position of going like, well, we can't make Assassin's Creed for the Wii U, so we're not going to make anything for the Wii U. That, or you know, porting like a one-year-old Batman game over to it. Yeah, you know, like in in like for Zombie U, for example, which was a launch title. Like you can only get that game on the Wii U, and I don't really know what the quality of that game was, but it's a launch title, so it's probably not awesome. Right. Um. You know, I think I don't know if that Bayonetta two, if that's still happening for the Wii U, but you know, as far they, as I know, it is. Yeah. They need third-party exclusives, just like. You know, just like the Xbox and the PlayStation 4 need exclusives. Yeah. To differentiate yeah. between those two. But you just need to make different games for the Wii U. They can't be Xbox One or to. PlayStation I mean, I agree games. with you, though, like, in one point, which is they needed to... I think they needed to launch with a Zelda game. Like, it's what everybody wanted. And yeah. 
and they didn't do it, and then and then now they've basically and they talked about it, didn't they, in the beginning, and then they stopped talking about it well, at some point. And I now mean, they did like the like, Wind Waker HD, but that's, that's yeah, but I mean, it. like a you know, no, like an original. Here's here's why you have a Wii U. Yep. Here's here's the Zelda that works with the second screen and does cool things and. Yep. Unless they're just yeah. totally killing it in like the Skylanders market, I have no idea. Like, oh yeah, who's Maybe got who the knows. Wii U? Yeah, yeah, who knows? Yeah, sad though. All right. No, it's not sad. What's that? What? We're gonna be at PAX. Hey. Yeah. So we are um, hosting. <laughs> Jump right on that. Yeah. So we're hosting uh, our nerd appropriate pre PAX gathering. Uh, this is going to be our fourth one of these, and it's going to be happening on Thursday night, which is uh, the 10th of April. So if you happen to be heading to PAX this year, PAX East, and you happen to be arriving on Thursday and, and you want to hang out with um, ourselves and some special guests, which I'm not going to announce quite yet, but there are some special peoples coming. If you want to hang out that night, then um, definitely come by. And uh, what's the URL that you can go sign up, Matt? It's uh, napp4.nerdappropriate.com. And we tweet it out every once in a while. So if you're not following us on Twitter, that's at Nerd Appropriate. And just check Twitter every few days. I'll tweet out the, the link so you can go sign up. Uh, the only reason why there's a sign up is so we can get an accurate head count because we can't have above um, 5 million people there. So we have to keep it below 5 million. And ah. we need more than two. Yeah, and, more than, and more than us three. <laughs> well, no, including us, we need more than two and yes. less than 5 million. So if less we can hit that number. Million. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely sign up. We want to see everybody out there. It's always one of uh, our PAX highlights to see everyone. It's a really like low-key, laid-back kind of hangout session. Um, there might be some food there, some music. Uh, so definitely, it's, you know, it's a good way to start the show. Absolutely. And dubstep. We're going to have dubstep DJs all night <laughs> yeah. long. Right? And uh, booty, booty pace. Not to, booty be confused with, not to be confused with that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, we'll be back with our uh, review of Titanfall. This is Jessa from Harmonics, and you're listening to the Rated NA podcast at nerdappropriate.com. Okay, we are back, and we are going to be talking about Titanfall. It's so, it's so uh, weird that we haven't reviewed this yet, but I guess it, I know, like I, know said, I know. Well, we, schedules. you know, the problem with having a weekly show is sometimes when you travel and have guests on the show, reviews get kind of pushed because. We don't have enough time. <laughs> I guess we so talked about we the beta with, a lot, and that's why it feels like we we've did been talk ta- about yeah. the beta a lot. We've, we've been talking about Titanfall quite a lot, but um, that's we've okay. actually you know gotten a chance to play through it. Uh, a couple of our buddies have already gone through a couple gens. They've all already uh, kind of re-prestiged a couple times. None of us, but um, right? not us. No, I'm not quite there yet. Not there yet. But uh, but Titanfall is out, and I guess I'll ask you guys a couple questions. Is it what you were expecting? Um, do you think? Uh, do you enjoy the Titanfall experience? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. You do. Um, how is it different? How's the main game different from the beta, in your opinion? Uh, well, um, I mean, it's weird because it's a multiplayer, right? So it's like you're reviewing yeah. the other players, essentially. I would say that <laughs> yeah. the... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a campaign for one, which is not super long, but it's it's enough to get you kind of introed into how to use and spec out your guys and kind of the different play modes and stuff uh, somewhat. 
So that's nice. It's like a nice long tutorial, essentially, is what the campaign is. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you start to play against a wide variety of abilities when the game is in its nexus of being a whole whopping one and a half weeks old yeah. versus yeah. being in beta for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing that I liked a lot about the campaign is while it's kind of it's a little bit light on story, um, you definitely get a vibe that there is like a living, breathing universe going on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like flavor going on uh, behind each mission. So there's, you know, characters yelling back and forth to each other. There's, you know, submissions of, you know, characters that you followed throughout, you know, five or six missions going off and doing something heroic. Um, you know, the character that Abby Heppy, uh, friend of the podcast, Abby Heppy plays, uh, her character's name is Sarah. At one point she goes to like disable some device and ends up getting shot and pulled off the battlefield. And you kind of hear it all happening in the background while the match is going on, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was really cool. Um, I, I, I wish I could get a little bit more in depth of the universe because I do feel like they crafted something pretty, pretty special. I like the whole Robo Jocks kind of vibe yeah. that the pilots are like these elite, elite soldiers and the other soldiers react to you in the battlefield and kind of see you as like a, an object of awe. They're like, Oh, here comes a pilot, you know, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And, it never, ever, ever gets old calling your Titan down. It's just such a fucking yeah, cool, cool moment to have that thing come down and be like, all right, now it's it's ass-kicking time. And if you can get and a Titan crush, then, then you're uh, just, it's, uh, the feel, it's the best feeling ever created in a video It is, period. it is, yeah. And the thing that's interesting to me is when we had Abby on um, and we asked her, you know, can you drop Titans on people? And she was like, no. She's like, we had that when we were playtesting it, but we took it out and they put it back in. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, I don't know, but I, I love that it's in there because you can you can rodeo a titan and then call your titan down as you're rodeoing the titan, and you'll just smash the enemy titan with your titan. Or if you're real good, you can awesome. do it from a roof and aim at them and then just yes. drop it. Yeah, that's how I do it. Uh, that's so good. Um, yeah, the, the thing with the campaign for me that I kind of wish, and this is this is like pipe dream kind of stuff. I realize that the amount of work that went into making this game <laughs> would not allow for this also, but. Um, it would have been really interesting to have a sort of like co-op campaign where I could pay a bit more attention to the story and play through with like, yeah, like have like me and three friends, you know, run through a campaign and be able to like play through a story versus AI or whatever, just to have a story mode, you know, as, as opposed to just having the six on six on six, right? Six on six um, campaign. And not that it's bad, but I like I missed a lot of that. That like the Abby Happy stuff. I mean, I knew it happened sort of when it happened, but like I sometimes stuff was going on so hectically that I had no no idea what the story was happening yeah. around me. You know, I'd catch oh, there's it. There's a lot going on. Between. It's very fast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. When, when Ash was talking about that, I actually and I'm not saying this to be funny. I I kind of mean it. I think it would be cool if I. What I really enjoy about the campaign is like I can't follow the story at all, but. I like the fact that there is a story going on yeah. in the background. I would almost prefer if somehow there was like a roguelike story being generated just in the multiplayer matches and oh, uh, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. nonsensical story content was happening in the background and somebody was just like, run over to the turbine, shut it down. I would be like, yeah, go get it, guys. <laughs> almost like you know, how Mass Effect multiplayer generated those, you know, now you have to escort the drone. Now you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Now you have to do that. I really love that because no no two matches were ever the same. But not I mean I'm not uh, even saying gameplay elements. I'm just talking about like random like story elements stuff like happening, happening in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I like about the campaign is that like B 
because there's a narrative, it feels sort of more enriched, even though yeah. I'm not necessarily paying attention to what that narrative is or I can't follow mm-hmm. it. Um, I still think it's cool that it's there. And I, I, I don't know. Like, it sounds silly, but when you were talking about it, it just made me think about how I miss that in the standard multiplayer matches. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think yeah. I think that I think that with the missing of the story during the campaign what what you're saying ash is is 100% true is that the story the world feels a lot deeper than you would think it would in mm-hmm. what is essentially just a 6 on 6 multiplayer game you know like mm-hmm. with all the different guys running around with with everything going on around you it's just like it feels like stuff is constantly happening it feels like it's a real war going on you know in real battlegrounds that you're battlefields that you're on like it just it feels very lived in and very real while you're running around this essentially like crazy you know shooter i think having bots really goes a long way in making the environment feel like it's lively in a way that if this game were 12 on 12 with no bots i don't think it would feel as lively no that's awesome with the bots and i built a spec that's just um you you can data hack those specters yeah and you can get like later on like i think you're in level 40s you can get a, a data knife that like does like an aoe hack to all the specters. Oh wow! So you can go in a room and fucking mass hack them, and then you'll run around with like like five or six guys, yeah, and they all get kills for you. So whatever yeah. points they get, you get, and that's just so much fun. There's so many little things that they add in that game. Like while there's not a ton of different weapons, I think there's maybe maybe ten or twelve uh, uh, different main somewhere. weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah main weapons. Some, somewhere to that effect. I, I like that each one is incredibly different. So mm-hmm. whereas in a battlefield you'll have like you know, 55 submachine guns, you can't really tell the difference between I half can't. of them. They're so very, no very way. similar. Right. And so this, you know, you have a shotgun, a couple submachine guns, uh, a couple different assault rifles, and they all perform very differently. And then you can spec them out with different scopes and attachments mm-hmm. to really kind of customize your kit to, to play the way that you want to play. And I actually really appreciate that. And the fact that I feel like the game is polished to such a fucking level, like, just the sound effects alone on all the different weapons mm. and the sound effects in the environment, it, it's phenomenal how much little detail went into this game. Like we always talk about, well, what does this game feel like when you shoot? Is it a good feeling shooter? That's the thing I think they got right the most in this game. Like every Titan weapon you use, every single pilot weapon you use, they all feel great. They all sound great. Yeah. And they're just a joy. It's a joy to shoot those guns. You know, I mean, they all, also, I've also great. noticed that we all have our favorites for like different reasons too. Like we all seem to excel at different guns without issue. Yeah. And I think that's a sign of, of a, of a nice variety and being able to let well different players too. play different ways. Yeah. And continuing to be, you see the first patch went out this week already. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, they nerfed, what did they nerf? They nerfed, they nerfed gun, like the cluster they? rockets when you're shooting mm-hmm. at the dropship. Yeah, they, they nerfed the smart pistol a little smart bit. Smart pistol, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, good. Because you used to be able to like hip shot the smart pistol and take people out without any issue at all. And then they also nerfed it a little bit, like on how long it takes to lock. I think, or I forget what the yeah, actual think, stats were, but it it's little things that that just tweak that they probably because I was noticing it. You know, like just playing a lot, you'd be running around and like dude would be behind you for a half a second and kill you with the. Kill you with a smart pistol, and it was like, "Good mm-hmm. lord, this thing's ridiculous," you know. But they didn't nerf the shotgun, which is surprising to me because that thing is still well, crazy powered. But let me ask I just you guys started a question. using that. I love it. I love that shotgun. <laughs> I think I know the answer so to this, this question already. But I, what yeah. I found in this game, which is unlike other sort of traditional multiplayer shooters, 
is that I find that I'm more willing to try other weapons. Because mm-hmm. like you said, in Battlefield, I'm almost intimidated. It's like there are 20 different assault rifles. I don't know which one to use. I'll just use the one that I unlocked last. You know, yeah. But in this yeah. game, um, I find myself going back to try weapons I've unlocked. If I unlock something new, I'll give that a shot. Um, you know, like I don't like to use sniper rifles, for example, but I'm trying them. Do you guys find that you're kind of doing the same thing? Like with yeah, the abilities yeah. and the I'm... sidearms and stuff? Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I, I totally have found myself doing that, trying out new weapons. I remember I was playing with you and Derek, and uh, I was getting killed by the carbine a lot, mm. like the R101 or whatever that gun is. Yeah. And uh, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to check it out because I never really used it. I, it was one of the first guns that, that you get, but I, I used... Um, like the assault rifle? I think I used the assault rifle. I don't remember. I, I don't remember what I was using, but I, so I like the grabbed SMG. that gun. Yeah. Yeah, the SMG. And I grabbed that gun and I you know, started using it and then I got to put a scope on it and I was like, oh, I get it. This is actually a pretty nice gun when you're running around. It's a little, maybe a little bit overpowered, but it's it's weird because I feel like I find myself saying that a lot of the guns are overpowered, which right. probably essentially means that most of the guns are pretty well balanced. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Like I just, I was, at first I was like a little whiny about the sidearms because I was like, I don't really, use, the two sidearms seemed really weak and I wasn't a big fan of them, and then I unlocked the uh, like the Magnum or whatever the yeah, yeah. the yeah. first pistol you unlock, and I grabbed that thing and I love it. I use it all the time now, so so I definitely yeah. have found myself experimenting a lot more than I do in any other game. How about you, Ash? I um I, I I've been messing around with like a lot of the guns because I, I I love that they made the unlockables for the guns like like pretty achievable. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you know like kill twenty five specters or kill you know whatever and you'll unlock a new scope. So it, it's it's easy to unlock a lot of the attachments for the weapons. So um, I've been playing around and you know there's there's only a few that I, I could say that I don't like and you know I have um you know I've, I've been messing around with all of them and I think they're great. I think one of the things that is is really cool is the fact that you can match up your your pilot spec and then you know kind of build a titan that goes along with your pilot for like mm-hmm. specific missions or something like if you're going for a stealthy pilot for capture the flag missions and then you you have him spec'd out and you call down you know a strider mech with like extra you know running speed and things like that then it, it does match up and it, it thematically it just kind of clicks and makes a lot of sense and is really cool what? i built a fucking ogre mech oh uh, yeah that and i unlocked the punch ability oh yeah holy balls it is the coolest thing ever because you can like you can basically punch one of those strider mechs twice and make it explode is that why everybody's <laughs> running up to punch that's you why in game now? yes yeah. that punch is nuts it does so much damage i mean it's probably at this point a little overpowered but it does like a knockback mm-hmm. and it just makes you into this like crazy powerhouse which is so cool interesting but um i i love the way the game is balanced i'm really intrigued about um you know what they're going to do with DLC. I'm hoping it's just not going to be map packs. There's a lot of room for, you know, additions of, of new weapons and and I would say you know. an interesting thing from a UI perspective is that there is literally a lot of room for more game modes, for more weapons in the menu system. Mm-hmm. I saw that, yeah. But it's not even like yeah. There's room for it in the game, but there is literally as if the, the menu is just like, here's three guns. And, and then you're like, what? And they're like, there's that. plenty <laughs> more below it, you know. <laughs> so I think there there's a lot of room soon. for unlockables here. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys would have liked to have seen um, in the game that's not there? Oh, man. Well, now that you say that, I think question. it'd be fun for the pilot to have a melee weapon. Uh, I, other than the jump kick? Yeah, other than, like just like yeah. something to be ridiculous with, like some kind of like a 
like a metal pipe or something. I don't know. I would like, uh, I would like, because I like doing this, I would like to see more, um, how to put it, more like abilities with the rodeo, like more things you can do other than just popping on top of it, ripping a panel off and unloading in it. Like, Mm If you could sabotage it or like, you know, bury yeah. a grenade or, or I don't know what other things you could possibly do. That yeah. would be cool. I heard cool. you can throw satchel packs in there, the satchel charges. Oh, you absolutely can. Yeah, I heard you can. That's brutal. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So like something something like that would be cool. But again, you know, this this is like so nitpicky. The game overall is, is, is yeah. just a blast. It's like fun as hell. So Well, I mean, like, what do you think the is missing, Ash? Is there something that like that you Well, the like only thing that, that came that popped into my head is, like you know, you can you can regenerate and come back as a new generation of pilot and it literally it it does nothing for you so like you don't get anything for regenerating and that's not it's it's basically to show off like you know how long you've been playing the game and the amount of time and energy you put into playing the game Mm -hmm. so you get a rank next to your name that tells you like what generation of pilot you are Um, and then you have to rank up all the way again and unlock everything again i think it would have been really just super cool to have each generation have a slightly different color scheme or maybe um, uh, some sort of armor plating that's different on the Titans when you call them down mm-hmm. or maybe make like Gen 3s like, uh, you know, uh, a slightly like more red color or, you know, just something to like visually distinguish because it'd be cool if you have yeah, like a level just, 9 like, pilot drop name or something. Yeah, you know, if you have a level nine Titan drop down next to you, you could like visually see like, holy fuck, like that dude's level nine Titan. Mm -hmm. Like I need to like avoid him or go after him or what have you. And they definitely don't need to go the Gears of War, you know, judgment route where there's like leopard print or like flashing lightning neon bullshit. It needs to be, you know, the art style in this game is is absolutely gorgeous and, you know, as realistic as this, you know, fake sci-fi world can get. So they need to stay with that that realistic look, but I would love to see you know some sort of visual unlocks, and that's the, really the only qualm mm-hmm. that I have is like I want to I want some sort of reward for for genning up, and I want to see you know I want to see some something you can unlock to make your 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 pilot and or your titan visually different from the other ones. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's the only thing I, I have. I have a weird non-complaint because i also think it's a good thing so uh i've been playing recently just like one-off games here and there just like the past couple of days i'll just Mm -hmm. jump on and play a game or two by myself yeah and um i have noticed multiple times now that many of the games especially in attrition that i that i play many of the games uh end up being uh sort of lopsided where one team will have three to four guys that have regen three to four times and they all manage to get their mechs or get their titans at the same time and then they all walk around in like a slaughter group of titans where you can't take them out because they're four together essentially and no matter what you do this yeah like they're just they're just destroying everything around hunger games so it's like the, the you know the ones and twos band together like it's 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 good to me because i see it and i go like oh people are playing as teams and that's like the point of the game and that that's awesome. But it also ends up sucking because if you're on a team that didn't have that bond where you're not all playing as a team, it's like hard to figure out how to fix that. And there's also they're dealing, and this is me. I'm totally 100% guilty of this. I do not play with a headset on if I'm not playing with you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I tend to mute people that make noises or yell at me or talk. Uh, so the microphone, yeah, so like they're battling that sort of decade 
old Xbox Live stigma too at the same time where you've got people just running around being assholes. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how to fix it, but it is it's a little discouraging when I'll play. I have to like quit out of the round and and join up a new game because it's just like they'll just sit together and play the whole time and just slaughter. Like literally like I mean absolutely murder the other team, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know what it is. It's good like I said it's good on one hand cuz it's people are doing what they should be doing, which is playing as a unit and then Yeah. It's a, it's crappy on the other because you're stuck. Like you're just kind of like stuck in this crappy mode. You yeah. know. Yeah. At least the rounds are yeah. short, right? Yeah. That's we talked true. about that. They they did definitely test how long a round would not be annoying. Essentially. Like. Yeah. I think there's an interesting article. If this wasn't such a trade secret, an interesting article that could be published about like how long a multiplayer match should last. Yeah. To like maximize fun and minimize uh, rage quitting. I guess maybe yeah. is the right word. And do you think they? I was thinking about the same thing as we talked about this, Scott. That they the timing between matches is super long, right? So yeah, that's a little like weird. A, I mean, I guess it's so that half. you can spick your character out, but maybe everyone should be able to ready up. And if all twelve what people if, are like, "We're ready, let's go." But what if that's also to weed out the sort of rage players? Oh, so I the think. guys, the guys who are getting really angry and yelling and mad at their team because they suck or whatever, they're f bombs or whatever they are. They'll just. Quit uh, they just quit out because they're not going to wait a minute and a half to play with the same team. Again. I believe that. That makes sense. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, they have they have, you know, like so much experience to draw from. I'm sure they had notes from yeah, Call yeah. of Duty, and they're like, we, Next we have time no we make idea what's game. going on in that 90 seconds. They could be loading in like cloud assets or something. We yeah. have no idea. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. it does. It honestly doesn't actually bother me that much because I, I tend to like root through my specs and. Like yeah, you know, change change my Titan around or something just for fun. Like it makes me explore the menu a little bit more than yeah. just waiting for the game. I've also to come done back laundry in. in that ninety seconds, so I do appreciate it. Yeah, it's Check also made phone. me seriously consider if I want to play attrition again or do I want to switch over to do something that's not yeah. just you know kill them all kind of oh, thing. It's like we played yeah. five rounds of Last Titan Standing in a row. Maybe I'd like to play some Hardpoint Domination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel like the mix is a little messed up right now, we, but I'm sure we did talk that. about that. That last Titan Standing was one of the most fun things during beta, and has become totally not as fun during the regular. Yeah, game. there's something I still enjoy it. I don't know. You do? I, it, yeah, I like I it, I but I, I, it kind of takes away what is fun about running and doing parkour as a pilot, and I think that's what yeah, I yeah. don't like about sure. it. I think it's like I mean it's not bad. It's it, that's like saying like you know like oh well it's just vanilla ice cream instead of cookie dough. Like it's like yeah. <laughs> it's still delicious. It's still awesome, yeah. but it's just not. It definitely lost some of the magic from the beta, which mm. which it was like awesome during the beta. I was like, this is the mode I'm going to play all the time. And then I've played it a bunch, and I'm like, it's fun, but it's not as fun as like I like hardpoint. I like if I just want to play quickly, I'll usually play attrition. You know, like it's like the quicker round that I can play. And I don't know. I think it just depends on what kind of player you are. I mean, I know that personally I'm an objective based multiplayer person. Mm-hmm. So I'll play capture the flag and Hardpoint domination. And then things like attrition and last Titan standing don't really, they're great. Like you said, that's uh, you know, that would be like maybe my strawberries, but it's not like mint or chocolate for me. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So there you yeah, go. All ice cream gives me the shit, so I'm not enjoying <laughs> Oh, how about Froyo? You want to talk about Froyo instead? Froyo. No, that just makes me angry. Uh, types of <laughs> There we go. So one's like salami, the other one's like filet mignon. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I got like chorizo. You know, like oh, this. my God. My favorite. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I love that chorizo. Well, now so, we're so anyway, uh, everybody should go play skinny, they're not. Yeah, that's right. the skinny. Go get Titanfall, even if you're not a big FPS fan. Uh, it's a great multiplayer shooter. Definitely better with friends. And There's something for everybody. We look forward 
I know. It is awesome. So it's so much fun. So definitely pick it up. And, uh, yeah, I can, I can vouch for the FPS part because I don't play Battlefield or Call of Duty at all, especially online. I'm really terrible at both of them. I think you're them. better at this game than I am. And I'm not, that's not like a dig on you. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like I just play more FPS than you. And uh, you're, I think you're better than me, and I think that's awesome. So we were uh, we were talking about that that you might be getting slightly frustrated with the fact that Derek Ash and I were possibly playing a little bit better than you were in Titanfall. <laughs> that's okay. I'll just back to the drawing board. I just need more practice. <laughs> I'll get there. There was a day Scott had a rough day one day when Derek and oh, he and I was so I frustrated. Played. I was like losing my shit. I was so sick of like last Titan standing and attrition, classic attrition. Oh god. <laughs> anyways but anyways yes titanfall it's fun as hell i i you know being a non-fps fan i i definitely recommend it so Sweet. good stuff so i guess well, we're gonna it. we'll push our we're south it. park review till next week because we're going a yeah. little long we um, went long and i really want to talk about it like in depth because i, I think will, the game has a lot to talk about i will make it my homework to finish it this week how far how far along are you i probably have we like can... i'm like attacking the school right now yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it because there's a lot. I think that the game uh, did a lot for both comedy in games and kind of a take on what a what an RPG can be. So I, I definitely want to talk about it, and uh, I think there's there's some some good stuff. So we'll talk about it next week in depth. Um, so we will be back next week. Uh, we're gonna have a special guest next week. It, it appears as though uh, Jessica Chobot will be on the show next week, uh, which is crazy, which is cool. Um, we had a print interview with Jessica many, many years ago. I think during our first year, and um, she's doing all sorts of fun stuff. She's writing a game and she's doing Nerdist news, and uh, she's gonna come on and hang out and talk about games and stuff. Uh, probably next week that will be. Um, also, in the coming weeks, right before PAX, we're going to have uh, Kelly Wallach back on the show to talk about the Indie Mega Booth and all the big games that are coming to PAX for Sweet. big little indie games that are coming to PAX. So we'll have Kelly back on the show. Um, and I want to say that's uh, that, that episode will be out like right before PAX. So yeah. we'll probably have one more kind of slammed in there. So anyway, we have some fun guests coming up for you guys. Um, this has been episode 145 of the Rated NA podcast. And as always, you can find us on the old Twitter, and that's at Nerd Appropriate. Nerd Appropriate. Nerd In English, appropriate? it's Nerd, nerd Appropriate. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. No, N-E-R-D Appropriate. And you can find us on the Facebook, and that is slash Nerd Appropriate on Facebook. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Have a good week. for a second yeah are you sitting inside of a fan right now that's what i'm getting to i don't know well i mean when you talk do you quickly shake your face like in front of the microphone (laughs) i do not nope are you constantly pressing the mute button no i don't know do you like are you trying to do that like when you're in elementary school and like like that kind of thing are you doing that no i'm not doing that either then i don't know what it is i'm out of ideas